Tucker Carlson, promoter of the Great Replacement Theory, has been replaced. Yes, Tucker Swanson Carlson, the heir to the frozen TV dinner fortune, is now cooked. Fox News announced it is, quote, parting ways with Tucker Carlson. Actually, first it parted ways with three quarters of a billion dollars, and then it parted ways with Tucker Carlson because it didn't want to part ways with another three quarters of a billion dollars. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump. It's a sad, sad day for right-wing media. Lying is no longer as inexpensive as it used to be. I guess Fox News is right. Inflation really is out of control. The price, the cost of lying is exorbitant suddenly. Thanks a lot, Joe Biden. Tucker's final show was Friday and he had no clue. But then again, when has he ever? You know, the saddest part about Tucker Carlson being fired, he still got his health. Rupert Murdoch was brutal. He sacked Tucker on Monday with absolutely no warning, not even a call or I'm sorry. Even Jerry Hall got an email. Murdoch just cut Tucker completely out of his life. So I guess it's true what they say. Tucker really is like a son to him. Friday was his last show, but Fox didn't even give Tucker a chance to offer his audience a heartfelt good lie. I mean, bye, a heartfelt goodbye. I feel sorry for Tucker Carlson's fans. This is the worst thing to happen to them since Congress passed the Civil Rights Acts of 64 and 65. What are Tucker's viewers going to watch now? Certainly not their diet or their grandkids, because all of those flatulent losers are forbidden from being around children. It's chaos over at Fox. Nobody has been named as Tucker's official replacement, but right now it looks like a toss-up between Jesse Waters and video of a burning cross. As for Tucker, don't worry. The offers are pouring in. I'm not making this up. Russian television just said he could have a job over there, which is somewhat surprising since I thought Tucker already worked for Russian television. Yeah, don't worry about Tucker Carlson. He's got plenty of money for retirement. And you know why Tucker Carlson has plenty of money for retirement? Because he never watched the commercials on his show for reverse mortgages and gold in your IRA. So he's got plenty of money left in his retirement to pursue his passions. Yes, Tucker Carlson is now free to pursue his passions like fly fishing in Montana and blowing up black churches in the South. Grueling, grueling seven days for Fox. What a grueling, grueling week for Fox. They, they settled with Dominion, even even worse for Fox News, America's unemployment rate is down to 3.5 percent. Biden's presided over 27 straight months of job growth. 
I'm surprised with news like that, Fox can even get out of bed in the morning. They, they fired Dan Bongino last week, Tucker this week. They're firing more next week. Honestly, I can't tell if Murdoch is letting people go because of the Dominion lawsuit or he's just trying to destroy Biden's job numbers. Who's getting fired next? For the first time in their lives, people over at Fox are more afraid of losing their jobs than they are of strong, opinionated black women. Luckily, Sean Hannity doesn't have to worry about ending up on the chopping block. With that cement head of his, Fox is going to need a jackhammer. No chopping block for Sean Hannity's. They're going to need a jackhammer. And of course, plenty of lawsuits against Fox over the horizon. Tucker is getting sued by the woman who booked his show. She's accusing him of racism, misogyny, homophobia, and anti-Semitism. Shocking. Who could have ever imagined other than anyone who actually watched his show? You know, I'm pretty certain racism, misogyny, homophobia, and anti-Semitism are the words underneath Tucker Carlson's family crest. So let me get this loss, this lawsuit straight. The woman who booked guests for Tucker Carlson woke up one morning and suddenly realized that Tucker Carlson hates blacks, women, Jews, and members of the LGBTQ community. She just woke up one day and realized, I, I wonder I wonder where she would get an idea like that. Maybe it was from the job application that she had to fill out that specifically said no blacks, women, Jews, or member of the LGBT community. I wonder if that was the clue. Or maybe when Tucker kept saying, book Kyle Rittenhouse on my show again. How could she not know the man who spent a week with Victor Orban in Hungary hated minorities? Who did this Booker think she was working for? Rachel Maddow? She was working for Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson was the second most racist show in the history of television, right behind Thursday Night Baseball. Dear Lord, I, I hope, I pray that, that firing Tucker Carlson hurts him. I really do. I hope he's hurting right now, but I doubt it. Tucker Carlson is so dead inside, I don't think anything affects him. I doubt Tucker is even embarrassed by all this. If his own show couldn't humiliate him, how could getting fired? He lacks the shame gene. He lacks the shame gene, and it's too bad. But it's precisely why monsters like Tucker Carlson, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and Donald Trump are so indestructible. They've already been destroyed. There's nothing you can do to them that hasn't already been done to them by their mothers. A year ago, the New York Times reported Tucker's mother left him when he was eight. Tucker Carlson was only eight, and already he was able to get his mother to hate him at the age of eight, and he never saw her again. At the age of eight, he was already creeping out his own mother. Tucker Carlson was a child prodigy. By 10, he was considered the Mozart of a-holes. 
Tragically, Tucker Carlson's real victims can't sue. Those would be the unarmed black men and transgender women whose lives have been destroyed or ended because Tucker every night gave license to their oppressors. This is the same Tucker Carlson who I saw with my very own eyes try to convince viewers that Derek Chauvin's life was in danger before he killed George Floyd. Yes, it's too bad the transgender children and drag queens who fear for their lives each day can't sue Tucker for giving the worst of the worst license to commit acts of physical and emotional violence. No, they can't collect damages from our civil courts because in America, only big corporations get to sue other big corporations. Dominion gets the money, not the gay bars that are shot up or the families of transgender children who commit suicide because of venomous bullies like Tucker Carlson on Fox News. Even worse, Fox News can write that three quarters of a billion dollar settlement with Dominion off on their taxes, which is great news for Rupert Murdoch, Fox News and its shareholders, if and when those racist, rapacious, America-hating pigs ever get around to paying their taxes. Now, Carlson was one of the most watched hosts, not just on Fox, but on all of cable. But he never cultivated an audience so much as he did an angry mob who skew old, stupid, and paranoid. Not the key demo advertisers are looking for. And yet tonight, the New York Times reports that Tucker Carlson brought in $77 million a year in advertising revenue. I don't believe it. I want to see the books. I think he was secretly funded by the Koch brothers, by Exxon, and all those other far-right billionaires who fund Cato, the American Enterprise uh, American Enterprise Institute, uh, all, all those other ultra-right-wing propaganda machines. I think that $77 million that Fox News claims is advertising revenue, I think it shows up as advertising money, but nobody is advertising on his show because it is an infomercial for fascism. So he's getting... I, I, I want to see the books. I don't believe he's making he made money from legitimate advertisers because his audience who who would advertise to his audience? The only thing they're buying are guns, itching powder or the idea that a Mexican stole their job and a black guy stole their wife. They're not buying anything. When I watched Tucker, all I saw were garbage ads selling garbage to garbage people. I want to see the books. I think they're the advertising money that they claim. I think they're just funneling money in from billionaires who want to, you know, destroy the 99 percent. I don't believe Tucker Carlson made money from actual advertisers because you cannot make money selling crap to pieces of shit. And that's who watches Tucker Carlson or did pieces of shit. 
You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump. The Reverend Barry W. Lynn joins us. He'll be joining us for office hours a week from this Friday to discuss another book of his. I believe it's Prayer, part of the trilogy entitled Paid to Piss People Off. It's published by Blue Cedar Press. Everybody go to bluecedarpress.com or Barnes & Noble or that other place and buy the book. It's a trilogy, and it has the Feldman guarantee, Paid to Piss People Off, a new trilogy written by the Reverend Barry W. Lynn, who for nearly a quarter of a century ran Americans United for separation of church and state. Why? Because he's a lawyer, a member of the Supreme Court bar. Why did he run Americans United for separation of church and state? Because he's a lawyer and an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ. Welcome, Reverend. We have a lot to talk about. Indeed we do. And uh, just to make life simpler, if you don't want to go to Blue Cedar Press, there is a bit.ly link. You know what that is? Yes. I mean, yeah. B-I-T dot L-Y and then a slash Barry Lynn book. So it's bit period Lee slash Barry Lynn book. And it takes you right to the Blue Cedar Press website specifically about this book. Before we talk about Tucker Carlson, Mike Lindell and right wing talk show hosts who've you've you've gone up against these people uh, for much of your career. The Joe Tacopina, the lawyer defending Donald Trump in the E. Jean Carroll rape case, the civil lawsuit. Before we started, you were saying that he was asking the same old questions. They're almost offensive. Not almost. They are offensive, aren't they? Yeah, the the two that he seemed to be getting the most coverage for and which he clearly thinks will have the biggest influence is, well, why did it take you so long to to talk about this? You know, as if like women who are raped, it's it's easy to talk about it. I mean, we're kind of over that, which, of course, makes it more reprehensible to hear it now. But particularly when Trump's defense seems to be based on that and a second uh you know, disgusting set of questions that involved, why didn't you scream? Because everybody knows that when you're suddenly sexually assaulted in a dressing room, your first instinct is to say, oh, I'm here. Right. It's not. It's stupid. These are two of the stupidest ways. Of course, remember, this is a civil lawsuit, so he, they don't have to, nobody has to convince every single juror. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know in these civil cases involving this uh, offense in New York State, I don't know if, if you have to get eight votes on your side or 10 votes. I think there are only not, six jurors. By there are only way. six jurors, but. Um, why is that? I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea why there are only six. Yeah. But remember, most of these cases, these civil lawsuits about anything, about injuries, a car hit me, I, I'm all upset about it, I'm going to sue somebody, they're not terribly momentous cases. And they don't need, you know, when I was on my one and only uh, juror job, um, 
I think there were, I think there were 10 of us and eight of us had to agree. And uh, of course we kind of did, did agree, but it just, you know, was one more example of what's wrong with the American jury system, not only for civil cases, but even for criminal cases. I mean, one of the things that hasn't happened in all of those criminal investigations of what happened on January 6th is they didn't find that there was some kind of hidden, secretive, pro-Trumpite who somehow got him or herself into the jury pool and actually on the jury. So they've had lots of convictions. They're going to have a big one, uh, possibly tomorrow, insurrection. Right. By the leaders of the Proud Boys, one of the great, you know, right wing organizations Enrique in America. Terrio. Enrico Terrio. Yeah. Going back to civil lawsuits, there are no surprises in a civil lawsuit. There's a discovery phase and everything. All the depositions are pretty much word for word uh, testimony that we're going to hear. In other words, like the the uh, the Dominion lawsuit that got right. settled, we saw everything that was going to be said. We are in the depositions. We already saw what Rupert Murdoch was going to say. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. But it's also supposed to be correct in criminal trials because there is a rule that says anything the prosecutor has, particularly anything that will be used in trial, must be given to defense counsel. Now, that doesn't always happen. And sometimes I think appropriately, if the prosecutor doesn't give everything that he or she should, um, they essentially are giving a pass to the defendant because the defendant is going to be able to argue this and probably argue it successfully. But it's called the Brady Rule after a Supreme Court decision involving a man named Brady. Hmm. And that's surprising. Well, let's talk about Tucker Carlson, who was unceremoniously thrown into the dust heap of history on Monday, or was he? Yeah, he's not going away. I mean, there are all kinds of speculation about what the guy would do. He doesn't have too many options. This is the only person I have literally ever met who was, let's see, first fired from CNN, then briefly on MSNBC, fired there, briefly on PBS, fired there, now fired by Fox, and even fired as a dancer on ABC who's dancing with the stars. Why did he, why he was kicked off of that? Because he didn't dance much. He mainly sat around in a chair. So maybe he thought it was a different show. There should be a show called uh, Sitting with the Stars. And you just sit around and have like a dinner with Andre. And then people would say, that person was interesting. Let's keep him in. Her, not so much. You know, that was It would be be great. You should do that. You should have a bunch of people and then they could vote on who's, you know, the lamest person. Let's go back to might be available. Let's talk about Tucker Carlson for a second. I was told he insisted early on that it was all an act. This is before he went to Fox News when he was doing Crossfire. He told several of my friends that I'm playing a part here. This is a way for me to make money. What I've read about him is when he went to Fox, he had this was his last shot to make it work. Sure. He had been relegated to Fox and Friends on the weekend 
Yeah. He was like a nothing. And so he, when he took over Bill O'Reilly's slot, he decided I'm going to do whatever it takes to be a star. And he became one. Does yeah. he, does he, does, does he have the self-awareness that he's evil or does he just, you know, his mom left him when he was eight. He was hated yeah. by his mother. Yeah. So maybe he's just dead inside. Well, I think he is dead inside, but I think he did a very good job on CNN. I don't know. I've heard these stories, too, about people who worked with him at CNN who said, you know, the guy really doesn't believe everything. Right. I just think one of the most telling things about Tucker Carlson in his very first book, he describes how he was invited to go on a cable show with Clifford Alexander, who was at that moment the secretary of the army and he says in the book i didn't know anything about the topic i just knew that if you're not on television you're nobody is kind of right. what nicole sidman kidman said in the to die for movie right. where she was accused of of uh, sleeping with a student that was a, a telling moment and i so it wouldn't surprise me i just thought of him at the beginning as kind of a, an affable idiot. That is to say, somebody who could joke around with you, even if you were a liberal. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell you a story. The, the most interesting encounter with him, I had many, of course, on television, but I was sitting uh, in a uh, at a right-wing conference, and he was the first speaker. The conference, the reason I was there was to hear what Newt Gingrich would say should be the Republicans' health care plan. I was sitting literally in the front row at a little tape recorder. Carlson walks out. After he's introduced, he sees me in the front row and he says, whoa, Barry Lynn's here. And people started to applaud. And he said, no, 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 don't, don't. I didn't say you should applaud. He doesn't like anything we stand for. Right. But, but that was kind of the goofy side. But then he became more and more, not, not any smarter, but he did become less likable by any human standard. Although I, I believe iguanas think he's a really clever yeah. man. Yeah. He's Emmett pretty attractive. <laughs> Emmett, yeah. <laughs> Emmett Till's accuser died. Yep. yep. She's gone back and forth about what really happened that day. She did say in one interview that you tell a lie over and over again, you begin to believe it. So do you think somebody like Tucker Carlson starts off playing a part and then he begins to believe it? I think Rush yeah, Limbaugh, I, I think Rush Limbaugh to some degree yeah. thought he was playing a part and then the, the the American people believed him, and then so he began to believe it. Does that happen? Yeah, I think it does happen. I, I think it, in part, did happen with Tucker Carlson, because he 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 loved the praise he was getting from all of his fans. He had he you know he had book sales were through the roof. I mean, in part because he had a show. You know, there was a brief period when he was only on the radio. Then, it, then of course, he, as you pointed out, you're talking about Tucker. You're talking about, uh, Tucker. Uh, no, no, not Tucker. Rush. 
Right. I don't know. I, I need, I never met Rush Limbaugh. All I know about Rush Limbaugh is when I was doing a radio show in a little uh, radio station right outside of Washington. They were also running Rush Limbaugh. And Rush Limbaugh had a very clever idea. He would try to circle big markets, little little stations, be on there for a year or so and say, Look at look at the ratings I'm getting. You should hire me, which is of course exactly what happened in Washington. He went from this tiny little station to a major station in the city of Washington itself. But there there was a Christmas party the first year that I was on that uh, station, and Limbaugh was, and there was a, a a very conventionally attractive woman that sold advertising and she was a huge fan of of uh, of Rush Limbaugh so she she literally went to the Xerox machine invited him to come to the Christmas party and then Xerox certain body parts of hers to him figuring that would lure him to have a greater interest in coming to the party right Right. He didn't come to the party. That was possibly the best thing he did. He he did, he wasn't going to be fooled by flirtatious behavior by an advertising agent. Right. So so Tucker Carlson is gone. There's talk that the Murdochs are thinking of selling Fox News, but even with new owners they're not going to change their spots no. because there's money to be made. They found a niche that nobody else can fill. Even own and Newsmax can't make the no. kind of money no. Fox News makes. And it's more important to be profitable than patriotic. Yeah. And they have certainly learned that. Right. And, you know, notwithstanding losing advertisers and having all kinds of low rent uh, gold salesmen and others on Fox News, they still are selling those spots for a significant amount of money. Are they? Not like, I yeah, don't believe, I believe that. So okay, I read in the I, New York Times that he yeah. made $70 million a year for Fox News. I have he to. Being Tucker. Tucker. But I have yeah. to believe that there's some kind of money laundering going on. And I'm being serious that somebody who props up Victor Orban, these these right wing billionaires are funneling money to Fox News and Tucker Carlson the same way they funnel money to Dennis Prager and they funneled money to, to Rush Limbaugh. They view these shows as infomercials for the radical right agenda that suits the oil companies that it's it's you know Tucker in many ways is a lobbyist so i don't believe i don't believe that the my pillow guy is paying those prices for ads i think they funnel money into fox news just to keep tucker on and it shows up as advertising dollars somehow i'd like to see the books do you? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to see the books too. I th remember Tucker was making, and the last contract was for twenty million dollars a year. Twenty million dollars right. a year, uh, and the income, the part. Let's say it is seventy million. Most of it goes because of him. I mean, assuming the money laundering is really, really concealed, but they have so many kind of right wing advertisers 
that do have some money. If you if you want to advertise gold, and I actually was on a, a radio network for a couple of years. It was owned by a guy who sold gold. That was his principal thing. And he would um, he would just sell. And then he would sell. And then he would also, when you call the 800 number, people don't understand this about those 800 numbers. Yes, they do want you to buy whatever they advertise. But then the goal, said this owner, was to keep the person on the line long enough so that they would sell 150, they would triple what they were spending. So if they came in and they said, I'd really like that uh, gold cockroach, you go, okay, we'll give you that for $20. Hey, by the way, cockroaches like, uh, they like uh, moist places. We have a gold plated moist plate. That'll Mm -hmm. be $30. That's what they do. Fulfillment bureaus are not there to fulfill your immediate interest in seeing what you hear on radio or television, but to double and triple what you spend by the time that phone call is over. Right. Right. We're talking with uh, the Reverend Barry W. Lynn. He is the author of Paid to Piss People Off, published by Blue Cedar Press. Go to Blue Cedar Press. Go to BarryWLynn.com. Go to Barnes & Noble. Go to the other place. Buy the book. It's got the Feldman guarantee. If you don't, for some reason, don't enjoy the book, I will personally reimburse you. That's the Feldman guarantee. Go by paid to piss people off. So talk to me about Mike Lindell. Yeah. And we spend a little more time on Tucker. Yes, because I'll tell you, here's the thing. I'm not tuckered out on Tucker. No, that's good. That's That's okay. No, No, it wasn't that good. I'll excuse Um, myself. Here he says, this is what he says last night when he releases a video discussing his decision, which he believes is some kind of mutual decision to leave Fox. He says, the other thing you notice when you take a little time off is how unbelievably stupid most of the debates you see on television are. And then he says, I mean, this is the amazing thing. He says, the undeniably big topics, the ones that will define our future, get virtually no discussion at all. War, civil liberties, emerging science, demographic change, corporate power, natural resources. When was the last time you heard a legitimate debate about any of those issues? I don't care whether Rupert Murdoch loved him, liked him, or didn't care if he had said, to Rupert Murdoch, you know, one of the things we need to study, we, we should try to figure out how how big a defense budget do we really need? And you would think that if you looked at that in a serious way as a conservative, to say nothing of, of being a progressive, you would realize that we are paying for vast numbers of people and machines that we could never possibly use. It ought to be people like Kevin McCarthy who say, when we're trying to balance the budget, let's cut the defense budget by 20%. If they had, and they don't have these shows, even CNN with its uh, much uh, hyped uh, Sunday show with Anderson Cooper, we're going to spend a whole hour on one issue. I would like to see somebody talk about something that came up a lot in my early life when I was talking about the draft. I would testify about 
why we didn't need to start registering people for the draft. And then on the Armed Services Committee, there'd be people go, well, um, what if we don't have enough people? Mm-hmm. I say, look, we, you know, at the time we had 2.1 million people, just regular service personnel. We had um, uh, 500,000 people in the reserves. That was the reserves. That was the best place to be during Vietnam. If you didn't want to go to fight, you didn't leave the country. You just went into the reserves. There were two brief efforts to call up reservists and they, Nixon, just the whole thing flopped. It no, never went anywhere. And then, but how about the delayed entry program? Do you think anybody knows about that? That's where you agree to sign up and you do certain of the paperwork, but then they just kind of keep you. And it's always at 50,000 or more people. And then if you were in the military, you don't get out of the military and just go, so long, I'm tearing up the uniform. You're in something called the Individual Ready Reserves that usually has 30,000 people. These are people who were trained to do something and could be called up and in fact have a liability roughly of six years after they leave the service. If you ask the average person what the delayed entry program was or the Individual Ready Reserve was, they wouldn't know. And why don't they know? Because nobody even bothers to look at the numbers and try to figure out what are they going to be used for. At the time that I knew most about, and I don't think it's changed now, we we aim, the Defense Department aims to fight two and a half wars at the same time, two big wars, and then something maybe a a little less than Vietnam, but Vietnam was kind of a half war. What right. what are we going to do? Why doesn't anybody talk about that? Why is that not the subject of something other than, I don't know, carpet weaving in Yugoslavia? You know, I'm sure that's interesting, but, you know, what's really interesting, these issues that Tucker Carlson says are never discussed, there are no specials. I have never... I was never invited on Tucker Carlson's show to talk about anything of great moment. I mean, they're they're important, they're court cases and other things, but certainly, you know, this the the things he outlines are not the things he wanted discussed. So in the end, Fox News is chasing ratings, it's chasing an audience. It it is right wing. They believe what they say, but they're saying it because there's money to be made in saying it. Is that the the key takeaway? I I think that's absolutely fair. Absolutely fair. Although Rupert Murdoch has subsidized Bill Kristol's rag. uh, What was it? The Weekly Standard? Yeah. Before Bill kind of saw partial light and. Right. So, I mean, Murdoch is a right wing troll. Yes, he he always has been. Yes. He wouldn't build a left wing news empire. No, because although he might make money from that, if he looks at the efforts to create right wing media, excuse me, left wing media, he knows that they're complete failures. Look at Air America. That started as a brilliant idea and it had 
originally it had people like Liz Winstead, very mm -hmm. funny and very active. Now they canned her. They invited, they had some other guy come in that uh, I know. And uh, Al Franken. Making, no, it, but Al, I know you and Al don't get along. I don't, but I will tell who you. I am. Well, you should. But I will tell you this with Franken, um, this guy prepared so well for the shows that he did on his radio show the next day. I mean, he'd even call, he'd occasionally call me when I wasn't even going to be on the show, but he knew that I knew who was going to be on the show and they kind of picked my brain. Well, what does she think about this? Mm -hmm. and, um, but he did his homework. I don't think, you know, Tucker Carlson probably gets a sheet of paper with a couple of smart ass things, which he didn't even write. And, you know, he, he he's, I never thought, some of these guys are, are really quite bright, but, and the guys, by guys, I mean, conservative women who do talk, which is rare, but I mean, they're prepared. They know more about what they're going to be talking about than somebody like uh, uh, Tucker Carlson does. And they, you know, I always thought if, if you're going to do this kind of show, you all you you need to be prepared. You you really need to spend time um, preparing for the show, knowing what is going on in the world enough to have an intelligent conversation about it. And if there was a time when he and and Bill Press, who's a, a good friend of mine, um, did a show on MSNBC, it was like, well, maybe ten o'clock at night. I mean, if they had talked about any of these issues that. Tucker now says are omitted. Bill Press is a smart guy. He really is a smart guy. He spends a lot of time in preparation. I mean, he'd have just eaten uh, Tucker alive. They allegedly got rid of that show because both of them opposed the war in Iraq. Tucker I, opposed the war in Iraq? That's what the standard line was at MSB, MSNBC at the time, that he was soft on. He didn't want to go in. Well, if see, so, no, but see, see well. that, but see, there, there, he doesn't want us to be in any way engaged in in um, in the war. He's an isolationist, but but you see, he says he is, but then he he would not think about saying, you know, one of the reasons I. I, we shouldn't spend money supporting Ukraine. He doesn't say because we shouldn't be the world's greatest arms merchants. That's not the argument. The argument is, well, you know, they're, they're not here and we should defend the border. He's not he's not what I'd call a principled isolationist. I think there are people who could say, look, we got enough trouble at home. We should take care of Americans first and mean it. And then do something, not not try to cut people's food stamps and just say, we're not give, you know, we, we don't have the money to defend the world. In the 1960s, the one of the 800 good reasons for opposing the war in Vietnam was uh, we we don't we can't afford to be the world's policemen. Right. We can't afford to be the world's policeman. And that rang with all the progressive opposition to the war. That was one of the principal catchphrases. And it was accurate. You would never hear uh, 
Tucker Carlson, uh, well, you, you wouldn't, you might hear him say anything, but you're not going to hear him say or explain it for the right reasons. Right. Yeah. Right. Before you go, yeah. Mike Lindell. Yeah. Now, Mike, Mike made a promise. Uh, he, uh, he was, he was talking to, um, trying to see, I have some notes here. He was, um, he issued a, a challenge uh, during a statement, I think, in St. Paul, Minnesota. And he said that he would pay $5 million if you could prove Mike was wrong about his claims that these things called packet captures, which are, it's a computer term. I barely understand it, therefore, but a, a packet of data the packet is the IP addresses, the addresses that you use that computers recognize. And then the data is whatever else you, you want, information about a person, names of people, their addresses and so on. He said, prove me wrong. And he said, if you can prove me wrong, then he will pay $5 million. So a guy named Robert Zeldman came up with a study. He looked at it. He knew a lot about computers. He wrote a 15-page report uh, in which he concluded that this, this uh, data that Blindell claimed proved that the 2020 election was stolen. This is Zeldman's words. They do not contain packet data of any kind and do not contain any information related to the November 2020 elections. Now, according to the rules of this contest, there was an arbitration clause, which means you agree you're not going to court if there's a disagreement about whether somebody wins or somebody doesn't win. You give it to arbitrators, commonly used. Um, he agreed to it. And then all the arbitrators looked at the data and said, there's nothing there. There's literally nothing. There's nothing in your claim. So Lindell goes on television. You know, he has a daily something podcast mm -hmm. or peep, peep show or whatever. And then he, um, he says, I refuse to pay it. I'm not going to I'm not going to pay it because I know there's an arbitration and I know it says this, but I'm going to court now. Most arbitration clauses are are upheld by courts. They, if you try to break them, you have to prove an enormously high standard that you were in a completely un, unequal relationship when you entered this. That clearly he was not. He's a wealthy guy. Uh, Robert Zeidman, nobody ever heard of before this. So now he's going to file a lawsuit. I don't think he's – I think they're going to just uphold – that decision by the arbitration panel because the arbitration panel looked at it, knew what they were talking about, knew what they were looking for, and didn't find anything. Nothing. I'll tell you what I don't think you'll find with Mike Lindell is $5 million. Um, well, you know, he... he I think he blew through those, it all. I, I, I think he probably did. He has a lot of, of LLCs, limited liability corporations. One of them ran this this uh, uh, contest, but nevertheless, he uh, um, I, I, I see. You know, he's he's facing 
another huge lawsuit by Dominion, by the uh, the big uh, computer company that uh, won what? Smartmatic. Yeah, but Smartmatic, and, and it's for, it's for not quite as much as the Dominion case involving Fox, but because that was for one point three billion or something, mm-hmm. but. But but, you know, he's got more and more lawsuits. He can say, look, I'm not I don't care. Uh, He can say it's unfair. He can say anything he wants. And then someday, though, he will end up on an already corrupted federal court of appeals. So embellished with the bad feelings of Donald Trump that he might find a panel of a federal appeals court that says, you know, Lindell's got a point. Uh, yeah. we, we think he was we didn't think he understood properly what he was getting into. And then so and they'll dismiss it. And lest people think something like that couldn't happen, uh, I remind them to go on Netflix and go on Netflix and watch a a multi-part, I think four parts of it, about a lawsuit some years ago between a guy who looked at an advertisement for Pepsi at a time that Pepsi was trying to ingratiate itself, right? It's absolutely fascinating. Here's an ad. It basically says, you know, we're going to, um, you, you know, you, you you can collect bottle caps and and codes on your soda cans, and and then you'll get a certain amount of points, and the points will be you can get all kinds of great stuff like hats and and shirts and shoes, and and if you get enough of them, we'll give you a new fighter plane and the advertisement featured a, a kind of you know conventionally handsome high school student riding an airplane into and landing in his high school's parking lot right so this guy f- figured that wait a minute there might be a way to get a lot of those and he found out that you can you could buy the points for 10 cents each and he got a bunch of investors to go in with him, and he got enough points to win the fighter jet. He goes to court, he um, and he loses. And he, here's the theory: he loses because Pepsi, which makes a huge amount of money, said, um, "Well, it was obvious this was just a joke." Well, no, it wasn't just a joke. If, if it was obviously a joke, then then everything would have been a joke, like the hats and, and, and television right. set. These things. So it was not obviously a joke. And I think a lot of people, when you think of it, this is a kid in college. I mean, when I was still in, in high school, we used to go to Coke machines with magnets and, and on a string and try to pull the soda caps out of the soda machines because if you got if you spelled the words coca-cola or coke you'd win a big prize and there were black letters and gold letters and the gold e's were worth a fortune if i was doing that in high school wouldn't surprise me that somebody who has a little bit more of a mathematical mindset than i do would say Man, these people are serious. Mm-hmm. Judge said, "Oh, nobody could take that seriously." The the fact that it was serious was noted um, because they changed the campaign afterwards, and they said, "Only kidding." 
They should have said <laughs> that from the beginning. So corporate, corporate people, as we all know, uh, they usually win. And if they ha don't have enough lawyers, they'll just hire 25 more. Right. Yeah. Right. The Reverend Barry W. Lynn is a lawyer, one of the few good ones, and a member of the Supreme Court Bar. He's an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ. His new book is Paid to Piss People Off, published by Blue Cedar Press. Buy it over at Blue Cedar Press. Go to BarryWLynn.com for more information on how to purchase the book or watch him go up against the people he was just talking about. And follow him on Twitter at BarryWLynn. We're going to see you next week. And then Friday night, we're going to yep. discuss uh, prayer, which prayer. Is, is that book yep. two in the trilogy? That's book three. That's book it three. Goes, it goes peace and then porn, which is not only about porn. Several people bought this book at a conference I was at and said, uh, you know, I'm going to be reading the porn book first. They were kidding. You know, mm -hmm. but but it's it's about censorship, which is kind of always wrong. And then prayer is the stuff I did for 25 years at uh, Americans United for separation of church and state. Great. Thank you, Reverend. Stay out of trouble. Only good trouble. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to The David Feldman Show. You happy, self-actualized hump. <laughs>